Welcome now to Full Disclosure. We do it every Wednesday morning here on the Morning News Feed with David Greising, President and CEO of the Better Government Association. A lot to get into, so let's get right into it. David, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Well, we start with uh, a windfall of sorts headed to the state of Illinois under the American Rescue Plan. Billions of dollars coming to the state from the federal government. But windfalls ain't what they used to be, and this one may not go as far as maybe some people are hoping. What do we know about how uh, the state is uh, thinking about spending these billions of federal dollars? Well, it's interesting because Governor Pritzker and the two legislative leaders, Don Harmon, the Senate president, and Chris Welch, the Speaker of the House, sent, uh, published a, an op-ed in Cranes talking about their goals for this federal money, although they didn't get very specific. When you do drill down into the specifics, it's not really that promising. According to Susanna Mendoza, Mendoza the state controller, there's more than $2.4 billion owed uh, to the Federal Reserve's uh, municipal bailout program. Um, there are other intergovernmental borrowings in the order of about $1.4 billion. And Mendoza points out also that while the state gets $7.5 billion from this federal program, that does not all pay out at once. Some of that money comes during the current fiscal year, and some of that money comes during the next fiscal year. And so people who have really drilled down on this are saying there may not actually be that much money that the state gets to spend on discretionary projects because of Illinois' huge uh, backlog of unpaid bills and 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 borrowing $5.7 billion in unpaid bills right now, those are probably going to be the top priorities. Well, and you you have to also be very cautious about using one-time dollars for anything that could be a recurring expense. It seems like it makes a lot more sense to pay down the, the backlog of bills, pay down the borrowing, rather than invest in new programs, because if it's a new program, then it's got to be sustained after that federal money runs out. Absolutely. And case in point is education. The governor in his last budget did not make up the state's obligation under the evidence-based funding formula. So that was supposed to be $350 million in the last fiscal year. And again, in his current budget, he does not have new money for evidence-based funding, another $350 million. I talked to an education leader uh, last week about this, and they said, you know what, we don't really want that federal money. Be I mean, it would be nice, but that one-time spending doesn't do the school districts any good. They need to have a reliable source of revenue. Um, if you look around, Wisconsin uh, Governor Tony Evers is spending this money on tourism, some infrastructure projects, and broadband. That's what happens in a state that doesn't get itself into such serious fiscal problems and actually can spend this money on things that help make the state a better place to live and a more effective economy. In Illinois, we don't have that option because of generations of profligate spending. And an interesting footnote to this, there's still even a little bit of discrepancy as to exactly how much we owe the federal government, how much we borrowed. We're getting different numbers from different sources. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, you know, uh, Dan Hines, the governor's uh, uh, deputy that's in charge of fiscal matters is throwing out different numbers than Susanna Mendoza is. Uh, th this is a confusing situation in part because there are a lot of pieces of legislation. Not everything comes in the form of the American Rescue Plan, and even that comes in bits and pieces. It doesn't all, all come in one big check from the federal government. So there is a fair amount of confusion out there. And the trouble is there are a lot of zeros on all of these checks. And so when there's just a little bit of confusion, it can have an inordinate uh, impact because of the size of the money 
that we're talking about. Just a quick programming note. We hope to get a little bit more clarity on some of these issues tomorrow with Comptroller Susana Mendoza joining Greg Bishop on the morning news feed. We expect she'll also be talking about whether she plans to appeal a recent court ruling that has interesting ramifications for Illinois lawmakers. This was a case brought by two former lawmakers who were seeking back pay, trying to reverse decisions made in legislation they actually voted for. They voted to freeze their pay, impose furlough days, uh, made those decisions, and then turned around later and sued, saying those actions they voted in favor of were, in fact, unconstitutional. And this could have significant financial uh, implications for the state, David. Right. These two people in question are Michael Noland of Elgin and James Claiborne of of um, uh, Bo- uh, Yeah, the Belleville I'm area, sorry. right. Yeah. Belleville, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't read my own writing here. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and in case there's any question as to where Susanna Mendoza stands on this, on this, she called them, quote, shameless grifters <laughs> for for their actions here. Uh, and and it is it is they have a lot of explaining to do, frankly. Um, they both voted for these bills to uh, stand down on any pay increases. Uh, they had pay the legislature had pay freezes from 2009 to 2016. And they're citing uh, a, a constitutional uh, language that prohibits uh, the legislature from changing its pay during the course of a session. Uh, now, very retroactively, after they're both out of the legislature, they both have no political cost to pay for this. They're saying, hey, we want some of that money back. They, they initially sued on behalf of fellow lawmakers, but a, a court ruling now has made it just really only about these two people trying to get their money back. So this is this is a matter of principle, uh, but, but a very important matter of principle, because we don't want to see a circumstance in which uh, politicians do what seems right at a moment. And then once they get out of office, go back and say, you know, I shouldn't have been able to do that. And I want my money back. That's a really bad precedent to set. Well, it's a bad precedent. It's also a bad precedent to be passing bills that actually do pretty plainly violate the constitutional prohibition on reducing an elected official's pay during their term because it's it's politically advantageous to do so. So one hopes there's lessons learned all around. Uh, once you've uh, voted for something, committed to it, you should stick to it. But also, uh, maybe we shouldn't be relying on gimmicks to try to deal with our fiscal problems. We just need to make some tough choices. Uh, it's uh, full disclosure. Closure with David Greising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association, here with us. David, let's turn our attention now to COVID, and uh, the the news just uh, continues to unfold in the pandemic, even beyond the rising case numbers, positivity rate, hospitalizations. We've now got this new complication with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine on hold for now. And in the midst of all that, as we are in the home stretch of this legislative session, a lot of work to be done. We now have COVID cases uh, at the highest levels of government with staffers in both the governor's and the House Speaker's office testing positive. And we don't know yet how um, the uh, the ramifications of that, if others have been exposed, have to quarantine, how that's going to affect operations. Well, no doubt. Um, for starters, this is a big problem for the entire state and, and really across the country. Illinois has not had any cases of these Johnson & Johnson vaccines going bad. Um, it's only happened, I think, eight people across the country out of the many millions who have received the dose. Uh, but it, it seems prudent that the government in Illinois, as with other states, has, has uh, stood down for the time being until they clarify what the problem is with regard to the J&J dose. But in the Illinois legislature, uh, where or, 
or government where we're seeing a staffer to Governor Pritzker uh, testing positive, a staffer to Chris Welch, the House Speaker, testing positive. This reminds us all that uh, this disease has not gone away, that these uh, measures that people are taking, wearing masks, getting tested, et cetera, are still very important. Illinois' positivity rate is back up around 5%. And if people stop getting vaccinated, uh, they're going to uh, probably see an in continue to see an increase, especially because we have begun to loosen restrictions on and off, but we have overall been begun loosening restrictions. This, the weather is getting warmer. People are out more. It's becoming much more normal. People, Many people are, are returning to work. And so this is a huge challenge, both for the government in Springfield, uh, which is conducting live session, and we're heading into now the sprint toward uh, the end of the session, as well as across the state. It's been noted, too, that while the Senate is requiring COVID testing for uh, for members and others in the House, members are not required to be tested. And so uh, we, we keep fingers crossed. We hope everything holds together here. There's a lot of work to be done. Uh, but if you start to see cases spread, we, we just don't know yet how that might uh, impact the legislature's ability to get important things done. We got a lot yeah, more. And I think Go ahead. I think there are some some uh, pointed questions to be asking uh, to Chris Welch, the House Speaker, and the House leadership more broadly about that. You know, what what is it about a House member that they don't, uh, you know, that they shouldn't be tested, et cetera? Um, that is uh, that is an issue because if they're not getting tested, um, uh, that they're potentially putting themselves and others at risk if they're uh, pop. COVID positive and running around uh, doing the business of the state. Those members have had the opportunity to be vaccinated, but we don't really know how many members have been vaccinated and how many may again be uh, putting themselves or others at risk if they're not carefully following protocols. David, last week we talked about this uh, wild story involving the executive director of the State Board of Elections currently on administrative leave after he went to police to report he'd been the victim of an online extortion attempt. Uh, the State Board of Elections now uh, scrutinizing their computer systems, trying to make sure that there was no improper access anywhere. In the midst of all that, we have another report this week of problems with state computers and potentially very sensitive information that may have been compromised. This is going on in the Illinois Attorney General's office. Right. No kidding. You can't think of a, very many parts of government that need security as much as the attorney general's office, where they're looking at confidential information with regard to lawsuits and have a lot of information about individuals, um, uh, residents of the state. I mean, this is the world we live in. Uh, we've seen through our elections, through attacks on credit card systems, uh, through attacks on government now that um, that information is is not as private as we would like to think it is. Um, Kwame Rule's office has indicated that um, they think they have this, they are getting this under control. They've really said very little, though, and that's what's sort of, uh, I, I guess, concerning here is we don't really have an idea of um, what what has potentially been breached and what the costs of that potentially could be. But um, clearly, the government of Illinois has problems when you have two major offices getting uh, getting attacked within a very close period of time. And it's something here, as in, else, as in all areas of government, cybersecurity 
is something that needs to be very carefully attended to. You know, there's no question about it. Uh, we uh, heard uh, all through the Bruce Rauner years about how the state had underinvested in technology and that we had uh, computer systems that were vulnerable to breakdown, uh, but vulnerable to hacking and cyber intrusion uh, is another big concern. And as you noted, David, uh, the uh, computers in the attorney general's office presumably have a, a lot of very sensitive private information, possibly in, uh, information related to ongoing investigations and things, and very little information coming out of the AG's office right now as to the extent of this breach and what it could mean for those investigations. We'll be watching that story very carefully. want to pause for just a second for a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Bernie Madoff, you might recall uh, the financier who went to prison for what was described as the largest Ponzi scheme in history. Bernie Madoff has died in prison. That story breaking just in the last couple of minutes. We'll be getting more uh, throughout the day here from uh, ABC News here on WMAY. We continue with full disclosure, uh, and David Greising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association, we're back to an issue that I know you uh, and the BGA are very concerned about, and we continue to hear uh, the complaints and concerns of Republicans here in Illinois about the remap process. It doesn't seem like the Democratic majority, which right now has full control over this process, doesn't seem like they're too open to uh, hearing what the Republicans are saying. No, and I guess it's not surprising in a way, given that the De Democratic Party has supermajorities in both houses. But uh, remapping, if you read your civics textbook, remapping is not supposed to be a partisan process. It's supposed to be uh, the first step toward a representative government. And a part of the problem here lies with the fact that Governor Pritzker has not exerted very effective leadership in this process. He said during the campaign some things that it appears he's perhaps not going to be standing by, specifically during while campaigning for governor. He said he wouldn't sign at one point. He said he wouldn't sign a map that was not drawn up by an independent commission. He since has kind of adjusted that a bit and said he will not sign a gerrymandered map. Uh, a map that is drawn for political advantage of one party over another, uh, although he has not been very specific about what it would be, what would qualify in his mind as a gerrymandered map. We all remember that Pat Quinn signed the last map, which was badly gerrymandered, while also saying that he was against the idea of gerrymandering. So it's easy for politicians to say they won't do something and then in plain sight do something that looks like very much the opposite of what they have promised. The Republicans are trying to do all they can to apply pressure to Pritzker on this and to apply pressure to the uh, committees that are working on uh, remap in, in the legislature as well as the legislative leaders. But the Republicans, uh, other than holding press conferences, they don't seem to be able to get very much done. You know, and uh, it certainly would seem that this is an issue that uh, favors the Republicans from the uh, political standpoint. Uh, Illinoisans will routinely say in polls they prefer uh, a fairer, less partisan, more impartial and objective approach to redistricting issues. But the, the question is, is there any price to be paid for defying that voter sentiment there? Uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker may very well think that there isn't uh, a, a price to be paid. And of course, 
course, the Democrats who have the um, vast majority of legislative seats uh, probably willing to take their chances with it as well. You know, one little interesting footnote to this discussion, because, you know, I think a lot of people probably think if the uh, she was on the other foot, if it was Republicans who had the overwhelming majority uh, of the legislature and control of the governor's mansion uh, and Democrats were scrambling for any sort of crumbs, the Republicans would be fighting tooth and nail to keep their control of the process. And I'm sure they would say otherwise. Uh, but just uh, as a little microcosm of this here in Sangamon County this week, our county board, which is overwhelmingly Republican, had a proposal before them from a Democratic county board member to adopt an independent commission modeled on the GOP proposal at the state house to draw the county district maps. Uh, and that measure was sent back to committee rather than being voted upon by the Republican county mm. board. Gives you just a little a little idea of what might uh, be happening if the uh, roles were reversed here. But uh, again, this is something that I think a lot of people would love to see. They would prefer that our legislative districts be drawn on the basis of what is in the best interest of voters rather than the best interest of politicians. Uh, but David, it sounds like at this point you you are as skeptical as I am and a lot of people are that we're going to see much change. Well, yeah, unfortunately, and when you talk about a lot of people, more than half a million people signed the petition that um, to put in place a uh, bipartisan commission uh, as, as in the form of a constitutional amendment, uh, which we would have had a chance to, to vote on. Uh, but the, Supreme, the Illinois Supreme Court turned back that uh, ballot measure uh, on some very, very technical grounds, saying that this was uh, subverting the legislature's control over this process, et cetera. Um, the public, it's clear, the public supports the idea of an independent bipartisan commission. The public does not want the politicians choosing who, whom they represent. The public does not want uh, the protection for incumbency and to have numerous races, about half of the races having no contest. David, we're, unfortunately, we're out of time. Yeah. We'll do this again next week. Uh, go to bettergov.org to learn more.